Romans, the seventh chapter. And today we're going to read verses 7 through 13. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said you shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. Therefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it may might appear sin was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we need you. Lord, a lot was said in these short little passages of Scripture, and and Lord, just an initial reading of it may may cause some of us to scratch our, our head and what 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 is all of that lord lord help us help us lord to understand lord teach us according to your truth and by your spirit lord help us to understand more of of who you are and to understand more of who we are and lord whether that be for those who are in christ or for those who are yet lost in sin, I pray, Lord, that you would help them to see their sin. Help them to see that they need you, that they need a Savior. So, Lord, pour out your Spirit upon us today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this is kind of one of those passages, and as we get to verse 14, we're going to get into even more of, of things was it Peter that said, Paul, boy, there's some things that's hard to understand. And and so we want to kind of walk through this today as, as we've been going through the book of Romans. And, and it started out our reading today. What shall we say then is the law sin? So Paul, again, is answering objections in this letter. He knows, because the Spirit is moving in him, he knows what people are going to be thinking as he has been talking about this justification by grace alone through faith. And so he he is answering these objections as he's writing this letter. And and you may ask yourself, well, well, why would anyone think that the law is sin? Well, because of what Paul has been saying about the law. That's why. Let's go back and refresh ourselves a little bit in Romans 3, verses 19 and 20. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. 
So there's quite a load right there. The law is, is, is bringing everyone guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law cannot justify anyone. The law cannot save. The law cannot sanctify. If we go down to verse 28, Romans 3. Paul says, therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Can, can you understand what people are going to be thinking here? We've talked about this before. Well, what do we need the law for? Romans 4, verse 15. Because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. So the law brings, uh, brings wrath. Romans 5, verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. And you remember when we have talked about this, uh, the law entered that the offense, that the sin might be made known. That, that's what it's saying there, that it might abound so that we would know our sin, that we would know what sin is. The law entered so that we would know sin. Now in Romans 6, uh, verses 14 and 15. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. And then we, we talked about the, the, the objection that would come with this. Well, well, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. Remember, and then shall we sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. You know, Paul is answering those objections as well. Can you see there's a ditch on each side? Yes, there is. Let, let's go to Romans 7. Let's, let's read 4 through 6. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, to Christ, you see, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Now, take yourself back a couple thousand years. And all of this, how would this sound in the ear of someone who had just been hearing what we know as the Old Testament and the law? How would the sound of what Paul is saying? Do, do you understand? Do you understand why why someone may say, "But but Paul," because they they had been reciting the Psalms, hadn't they? Look at Psalms 119.97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. And it started out in Psalms first chapter, second verse. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. So you see that 
quite possibly to those in Paul's time and day, it probably felt like Paul was saying the law was given by God through Moses was evil. Paul, you, you say the law can't justify and the law can't sanctify. Lord, I don't understand that. And, and, and Paul, you, you've made the law out to be wrath. You've made the law out to be death. You've made the law out to be sin. Romans 7, 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? And Paul says, certainly not. One of those emphatic statements. Certainly not. No. And in verse 12, Paul puts it in even a more powerful way, in a positive way. Let's look at verse 12. Therefore, the law is holy. And the commandment holy and just and good. Do you see the progression? It is holy, morally pure and blameless. It is just, means that it is properly legal, it is right. It is good, means that it is helpful and caring. Do you see the degree that Paul is going to in response to this objection that he knows people are thinking and would ask? What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not, back back to that verse 7, certainly not. On the contrary, see, on the contrary, no, it's the opposite. It's the the opposite of sin. It's holy, it's just, it's good. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law, for I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. See, Paul is making a defense for the law and its purpose In chapter 6, he was defending grace. In chapter 7, he's defending the law. If you you go back and read this, this is what he's doing. So, what's the purpose of the law? The law reveals sin. If If we could boil it down to a simple phrase such as that, the law reveals sin. And here, let me ask, does the law have purpose for us today? Or, or, or can we just disregard the standards set down by the law and live any way we want to? <laughs> no, no, we can't. The law still has purpose today. Now let's go to Galatians 3. Many of you knew that we were probably going to go here today. Galatians 3, verses 21 through 25. Is the law then against the promises of God? This is, this is Paul. Writing again. Do you see how the message is the same, is the same, is the same throughout God's Word? Is the law then against the promises of God? And again, Paul, certainly not. Now listen, if for if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the Scripture has confined all under sin. It's the same thing he said in Romans there, wasn't it? All confined, the law is confined all under sin. Why? That the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor, our teacher, Our helper, you see. 
The law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor, no longer under the law, you see. For those in Christ, no longer under the law, but now under grace, grace, grace. And Galatians 5, verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. See, and then there would be, there would be those that would jump in the ditch on the other side and, and to the other extreme. Well, I'm led by the Spirit. I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. I can sin that grace may abound. No, certainly not. The law is sin. No, certainly not. Okay, everybody listening, say amen. Now listen, listen. For those in Christ, we may not be under the old letter of the law, but we are now to fulfill the law of Christ. And I get that from Galatians 6, verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And if we go back to verse 14 in Galatians 5, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. Read this with me. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. All the law boiled down to love. 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 Bear one another's burdens. Love them. Care about them. Bear their burdens. Love your neighbor as yourself. The law of Christ, love one another. <laughs> and some, see, and then some would possibly think, well, well boy, that's, that's easier than the law. That, that just sounds much easier than all these commandments and, and, and all these laws. But, but remember this. Jesus' standard was higher than the law. Do we, do we remember that? Remember where that's found in Matthew? In, the, in Matthew, let's go there. Jesus' standard was higher than that of the law given to Moses. Jesus had said this in Matthew 5, verse 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. What were the scribes and Pharisees basing their righteousness on? Law-keeping. Law-keeping. Keeping the law which they could not keep. No one can keep. Then Jesus makes these statements. Let's read. In Matthew five twenty-one and 22. And, and, and let's be reminded again of how Jesus elevated even above the law. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Commandment number six. Okay. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that it, that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Rekha, shall be in danger of the council, but whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. You see how Jesus elevated the standard 
Not just thou shalt not murder. But don't be angry. Don't be angry. How about this? Let's go a little bit further. Uh, Matthew 5, 27, 28. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. Commandment number 7. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. See again how Jesus has elevated the standard. Let's go to Matthew 5, verse 38 and 39. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth, commandment number, no, no, this is not a commandment. Uh, here, uh, Leviticus 24, let's go ahead and read it. This is not one of the Ten Commandments, but this comes from the word given uh, in Leviticus 24, verses 19 through 21. If a man causes disfigurement of his neighbor, as he has done, so shall it be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, as he has caused disfigurement of a man, so shall it be done to him. And whoever kills an animal shall restore it, and whoever kills a man shall be put to death. The death penalty. An eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. You do something, or you get in a fight, and you break his arm, guess what? When it's all said and done, your arm's going to get broken. You see, you see. So let's, let's go back to Matthew 5, 38, 39. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. See, Jesus' standard of righteousness was even higher than the law. Do we all understand that? And it is boiled down to this. Love your neighbor. Because consider consider this. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to be angry with them without cause. You're not going to steal from them if you love them. You're not going to lie to them, bear false witness to them. You're not going to commit adultery with them or someone in their family. You're not going to do those things if you love them, correct? So do you see how it is all comes down to this love. Love your neighbor and you will fulfill the law of Christ. So after being saved by grace through faith, we are to fulfill the law of Christ by loving others. Now, perhaps we can see the point and that the law reveals sin. It shows us sin. Let, let's go to this. Verse 7. Romans 7, 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. So the purpose of the law is what? To reveal sin. How would I have known unless the... The, the law had revealed it to me. So now let's go to verse 8 through 11. But sin, 
taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. Now let's pause there. Do you see what Paul's saying? The law, in telling him not to do something, actually set him to thinking about it and produced in him all manner of evil desire in wanting to do the very thing he was told not to. Does that make sense? Let's go to the Garden of Eden. Don't eat from that tree. Oh, well, now that's that's what I want to do. That's that's what I want. I want why, why? Tell your kid, tell your kids, don't get in that closet. There's stuff in there you don't need to mess with. Don't get in that closet. Well, now got to know what's in there. Did you see what Paul's saying? It stirs within. If you bring it up, that's why there are some things that you don't want to bring up at a certain age with your children. Don't stir that up in them until they're ready to handle it. Do you see what I'm saying? I hope you understand what I'm saying. You bring it up and you stir that up in them, and then they're going to be curious, and then they're going to be, and especially now, get on the Internet and, well, hey, what's all this? And could lead them to, you understand what I'm saying? Have these talks when it's appropriate, age-wise, in their understanding. And even then, you know, read some of this stuff to them. Don't let this turn into this, i got to check this all out. So, so we understand what Paul's saying. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire, for apart from the law, sin was dead. I wasn't even thinking about it. Until I was made aware of the prohibition, it was dead to me. I didn't even know about it. I wasn't even thinking about it. You understand what he's saying? Verse 9, I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was to bring life, I found to bring death. See, let me pause again. In, In other words, the law condemned his sin which was now brought to light, now revealed, now made manifest. That's what the law does. In verse 11, For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. Did the law kill him? No. Sin did. Sin had deceived him. His sin that the law revealed and condemns kills. The wages of sin is, say it, death. For sin deceived me. How true a statement is that? Sin deceived me. Every lost soul on the face of this planet is being deceived everyone they're being deceived into thinking that everything is fine that their self-righteous man-made religion and man-made gods are wonderful when in fact they are perishing and on their way to hell deception 
Let me quote from, I got this from uh, James Boyce's commentary in Romans, and and, and I always find it because you know I quote Lloyd-Jones from time to time. Well, this is James Boyce's paraphrase of Martin Lloyd-Jones. Uh, he takes what Jones had in 25 pages and condensed it down to this. And so I'm, I'm going to read from Boyce, but in all actuality, this is from Lloyd-Jones. And this is nine ways in which sin commonly deceives us. These are the things that Lloyd-Jones put together and then that James Boyce condenses. Number one. Sin gets us to misuse the law, convincing us that as long as we have not sinned outwardly and visibly, we are all right, forgetting that with God the thoughts and intentions of the heart are all important. True, isn't it? Ain't nobody saw. (laughs) The most important one ever sees everything. The thoughts and intents of your heart, he knows. Deception. Number two, sometimes sin changes its tactics and tells you that everything is hopeless and we might as well just keep on sinning. There's a tactic. Well, you can't can't live up to this. You can't do this. You might as well just keep on sinning and, and hopefully grace will abound. Deception. Number three, sin tells us that it does not matter whether or not we are holy. It says, why don't you keep on sinning so that grace may abound? Be holy, for I am holy. The, the, the Lord commanded that. Verse 4. Sin deceives us by making us angry at the law, feeling that God is against us if He, if he prohibits anything. Man. How much of that's going on today? Well, well, God wouldn't want to keep me from doing this because it makes me feel good. Huh. Deception. If He were for us, we think, He would let us do what we want to do and be happy because, you know, God just wants us to be happy, right? No. God wants us to be holy. Be holy. Oh, I, I, I want to go to... Ch- Church somewhere where my kids can be happy. Well, yeah, you can take them to a circus and they can be very happy with that, but is that what you want? You want them to be holy. You want them to be holy. Number five. Sin gets us to believe that the law is unreasonable. It's impossible. It's unjust. (laughs) Paul says, no, it is just. It is right. Number six, sin makes us think very highly of ourselves. It makes us ask why we should be bound by any law, that we should be a law unto ourselves. And just keep keep making more laws like the Pharisees. Let's let's make a bunch of laws and know these people aren't going to be able to keep them and we can really look down on them. Isn't that what they did a lot? Seven. Sin tells us that the law is oppressive, keeping us from developing the wonderful gifts and talents we have within us, all of which would emerge if only we did not have to be held back by God's commandments. But God made me this way. 
And so I need to live out this way. Now, he made you to become the image of Christ is what He made you. And He made you for His glory, not for your own satisfaction. True? Sin makes righteousness look drab and unattractive. Sin, number nine, sin causes us to discount the consequences of willful disobedience. It whispers what Satan said to Eve, you will not surely die. It says that the most preposterous idea in the whole world is hell. Well, God wouldn't send anybody to hell. I mean, if, if you've talked to very many people, you've heard that statement. But God is love. He, he won't send anybody to hell. Well, let me tell you, because God is love, He is going to send people to hell. It says that the most preposterous idea in the whole world is hell, forgetting that the Lord Jesus Christ spoke of hell more often than anyone else in the Bible. And that ended the nine. And then Boyce goes on to say this. If you are expecting to be judged righteous by God on the basis of your own good works, which is a form of law-keeping, sin has tricked you by one or more of these common spiritual deceptions. And you have not even begun to know what the law has been given to us for, let alone know and understand the gospel. Let me say it again. The law was not meant to save anyone. It was given to reveal sin as sin, to provoke sin in sinners, and to make clear our complete hopeless condition apart from Jesus Christ. End quote. I, I couldn't have said that as well as him. Let's read again Romans 7, verses 11 and 12. You still with me? Say amen. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. Let me pause that. Now again, it's not the law that kills, but rather sin. And then Paul concludes, Therefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Then throughout the remainder of the chapter, chapter 7, Paul continues to praise and lift up and exalt God's law by calling it uh, spiritual in verse 14, by calling it good in verse 16, and delighting in it according to the inward man in verse 22. It's about defending the law. The psalmist wrote this in Psalms 19, 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, Enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. And in keeping them there is great reward. By the law we are 
warned. By the law, sin is revealed and made known. And then let's finish uh, verse 13, Romans 7, verse 13. As then what is good, and then here Paul is talking about the law, as then what is good become death to me. And then Paul answers with that resounding, certainly not, but sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. But sin, that it might appear sin, because the law has told me it is sin, that I should not covet, that I should not bear false witness and lie, that I should not do these things. That's sin. So the law came to reveal sin so that sin through the commandment might might become exceedingly sinful. That there would be no doubt because everyone, everyone apart from Christ is going to fall under judgment someday under the wrath of God because they did not heed the rescue for sinners. Sin's deadly character is revealed under the pure light of God's law. I thought that was good. I don't know who I got that from. It wasn't me. Sin's deadly character is revealed under the pure light of God's law. 1 Corinthians 15:56 The sting of death is sin. Sin kills. And the strength of sin is the law. The law reveals sin so that no one will have an excuse. No one will have an excuse. God has given His holy, righteous, and good law in order that through the commandment, sin might become exceedingly sinful. Let me ask you this. Is it, is it important that the pastors and preachers and evangelists preach about sin? Is it important? Yes, it is. And you know as well as I do, some very high-profile guys say, well, I don't need to tell them about their sin. They already know. I've heard that. No, you do need to tell them. So that the Holy Spirit can work in them. So that the, the, the law can reveal their sin. So that they can know, you know what? I'm not all right. And that will only happen as the Holy Spirit is working with them. Let me ask you this. Can anyone receive Christ without first being aware of their sin? Now you're sitting there thinking about that. No. Stop thinking about it. No, they can't. How can anyone ask for forgiveness if they don't know what they're asking forgiveness for? Do you see? If you're going to witness to someone about Christ, the issue of sin has to be dealt with. Has to. That, that's why I love Way of the Master, the Ray Comfort. If you've ever watched any of 
his little videos, they're all over the place on YouTube. If you ever watch any of those, he always, he always asks them at some point, so you, you think you're a good person? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. Well, let me ask you this. Have, have, you, have you ever lied? Have you ever told a lie? Well, everybody tells little lies. Well, and well, let, let me ask you this. Have, have you ever, have you ever taken something that wasn't yours? You, you ever stole anything? Well, little stuff, I guess. Yeah, you can call that stealing. And, and, and a lot of times, especially if it's a guy, well, have, let me ask you this. Have you ever, you ever looked at a woman and, and had lust? And you, well, yeah, 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 well. And then he always will say, well, by your own admission, you're a living, thieving, adulterer at heart. And if you stand before God someday in judgment, and he'll read the scriptures that go along with those things, will you be guilty? They have to say, yes. Does that concern you? That someday you'll stand before a most holy God and you're going to be guilty? You think he's just going to let you into heaven? Well, I hope so. Oh, here, let's, let, let me tell you about the rescue for sinners. Do you see? Sin has to be dealt with. It has to. Romans 10, verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who, who what? Believes. To everyone who believes. Let, let's read again from Galatians 3. We read this earlier, but let's just read 21, 22. Galatians 3, 21, 22. If the law then, is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise of by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. All can find other under sin. There is none righteous, what? No, not one. All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. All. All. Everyone ever born on the face of this planet except Jesus Christ. All. And the rescue for sinners is Jesus Christ and Him alone. Now I ask today, do you believe? Do you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ? Uh, let's read John 3. Let's read 14 through 18. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Why would they be condemned already? Well, here's why. Because He has not believed. In the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus came to this earth to be the perfect sacrificial lamb. To give his life a ransom for many. To pay in full the penalty for sin. For all those who believe. How important is that simple little question? 
So by faith, believe and receive Jesus Christ. Confess that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Repent of your sins and turn and follow Jesus. In John 5, verse 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. See that? You want to be a part of that. You don't want to come into the judgment of God. You want to bypass that and the wrath of God. John 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. Sin kills. It's everything we've been talking about. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. An everlasting death. Can you imagine that? John six forty seven. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. So by grace through faith, repent of your sin and receive Christ. Romans 10. 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from wrath. That's why. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we give thanks for your word. And, and, And Father, I pray that you would give us understanding. I pray, Lord, that you would keep us from error. Lord, if I said anything out of line today, I pray that you would just strike it from from everybody's memory. Lord, I pray in in some way and in some form or fashion that the gospel of Christ has been dealt with today. That the issue of sin has been looked at and dealt with today. And Lord... All I can do is proclaim the message. Salvation belongs to you, Lord. So I look to you, Father, and just say and ask if if there would be someone, even today, who has heard, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. Open their eyes to their sin. Lord, open their eyes that they may see you. And in seeing you, most holy God, that their sin would just be illuminated. Lord, they would see themselves as as the sinner. And Lord, bring to their mind their their recollection of, of Jesus Christ, the rescue for sinners. And then in the the light of your glory as you would shine upon them, opening their eyes and and bringing them from death into life, bringing them to yourself, Lord, that they would have no other recourse than just fall before you, confessing their sin. 
believing and receiving Christ. Lord, grant them faith. Grant them repentance. And help them, Lord, that, that they can turn from their sin and follow Christ the remainder of their days. Father, for, for those of us who are born again, we are under grace. Help us, Father, to live out the law of Christ. Help us to love as we should. Help us to lift high the name of Christ. So, Lord, in everything that we would say and do, Lord, let it bring honor and glory to you. Help us, Lord. Help me. We need you, Lord. Every hour, every moment, every second, Lord, we need you. So help us, Father, I pray in Christ's name. Amen.